0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. I have found these last few weeks really troubling. I found it hard to watch or listen to news. I am really distressed by the war in Ukraine and I'm probably not alone. I'm distressed also by things closer to home I'm distressed by the cost of gasoline. And then I feel guilty that I'm more distressed over the gasoline than people who are losing their lives in Ukraine. But it is closer and it affects how much groceries I can buy for my family. So there's the immediate effects. And then there's things that are far away. I worry about this war and other wars throughout the world and I I feel powerless. Uh, What can I possibly do? How could I help anyone? We live in a world where towers fall on people. And we live in a world where people are slaughtered for wars, seemingly sacrificed for nothing. What is their blood mingled with? And so we come to Jesus just like these people and these disciples come to Jesus in our passage this morning. And I believe that there is good news for us to hear this morning. I believe the good news is that Jesus lives. Jesus lives through us. Jesus repents us. And with him and in him, we can watch and pray. At that very time, there was some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. It seems like maybe Pilate had put down yet another popular uprising of people against the Roman rule he administered and governed in Palestine. And to press it home, he took the blood of those killed and added it to the blood of sacrifices. Now, how could there be a worse fate for a faithful Israelite than this? for a faithful Israelite who is waiting for redemption from the God who promised freedom and a land flowing with milk and honey to be cut down by Gentile oppressors and then have their own blood defiled. So these people came to Jesus and they wanted to know why did God allow this to happen and what does it mean Is it the end times and what can we expect and how can we make sense of this? And we also bring those kinds of questions to Jesus this morning. And then Jesus does what he always does, which is to say, he does not answer the question. He asks them a question and he turns the tables around. What Jesus is always doing is asking a question instead of answering a question, saying your question is the wrong question. And the question that Jesus brings is always one about us and about our existence. To use a fancy term, it's always an existential question. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No one said that, right? Like in the narrative, at least. Maybe in the actuality of it, this was being whispered about. What I'm saying, though, is just that in the narrative, no, no, Jesus, we didn't say that. We just asked you, what do you think? And yet, there it is. Is this what you're thinking? No, I tell you. But unless you repent... You will all perish as they did. Wow. Where's gentle Jesus meek and mild? I want to like walk in the garden in the evening holding his hand, feeling better about the situation. But what I hear him saying to me is that unless I repent, I'm going to perish just like those people who had their blood mingled with sacrifices. Jesus, help me. Or those 18, and see, they didn't even mention this. Jesus brings this up to them. Or how about those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Y'all remember that? It's as if he's saying news of their day that was a big deal. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Oh, my word. I'm looking for some good news this morning, but it sounds like Jesus, who's supposed to be giving me good news, is just telling me that I've got it coming to me if I don't get my act together pretty quick. Where is the comfort that I want to hear as a 21st century Christian? Well, Jesus does have something comforting to say, but we've got to get there. It comes in the form of another challenge (laughs) because again that's what jesus is like so what is that challenge right he says in asking this question he's asking us what are we doing with our lives you want to know why this tower fell on people you want to know why these people were killed and sacrificed but i'm asking you What are you going to do next, Jesus says. It's as if Jesus is saying, God allowed these people to die so unfortunately, you're still alive. You're living on borrowed time. How do you plan to use it? How about the comfort? Well, we're almost there. Or there's some encouragement to come but it comes in a way that doesn't seem encouraging at first because what happens is he immediately follows this challenge with another thing that Jesus always does. He tells a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Well, That sounds lovely, Jesus. What else? And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And still, I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year. Just one more. I'll dig around its roots and I'll put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The end. The parable just ends there. The parable ends. We don't know what happened the next year. Do you notice that? It doesn't end. There's no happy ending to this parable. It just says, yeah, it doesn't bear fruit next year. Cut it down. The end. Why? Because Jesus is asking us the question, what are you going to do now? He's saying... We we are living on borrowed time. We've been given one more year. What are you going to do with it? So this is what Jesus also asked of us this morning. From a kind of heavenly point of view, we're all living on borrowed time. Now what are we going to do with it? And there is some good news in this. Some of the good news is God is always giving us a chance to repent. If you're alive, there's good news. You can repent. It's not too late. <laughs> Everybody here this morning has a chance to repent. That's good news. And are we? Are we repenting? Now, it is good news that, always, that God always gives us a chance to repent. It's good news. But it's not the only good news this morning, and I don't think it's the good news. So to get the fullness of the good news that we have this morning, we have to remember not just what the story is. We have to remember who is telling us the story. The good news is that it is Jesus that is telling us the story. The good news is that Jesus can live through us. that it's Jesus who repents us, and we don't repent ourselves. It's Jesus, this Jesus, who is challenging us to repent. And it's this Jesus who is delivering to us this parable, the same Jesus who walks with us this pilgrim way of Lent, who fasted and was tempted in the desert, who was tempted in every way as we are but did not sin. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength, St. Paul says. But with the testing, he will provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. And he has provided the way out, and his name is Jesus. This is the Jesus who takes on our sin for us and takes it to the cross, who dies for us and gives his life for us. The Jesus who cha- That is the one who challenges us this morning. He is not asking anything of us that he is not going to do for us, that he has not already done for us. The good news is not that we must repent so that we can come to Jesus, right? Hello, fellow Protestants. Are we, okay, just making sure. (laughs) The good news is not that we must repent so that we can come to Jesus. The good news is that Jesus has come to us so that we can repent. God inspires and empowers our repentance. We do not repent to get to God. God comes to us to give us that repentance. Jesus came to Israel. And comes to us and comes to us this morning. The God who is the great I am, who has heard the cry of his people and has come down to save them, to save Israel, also comes down to save us, this little flock of Christ, this morning. It is this God who repents us. Well, that's great, Nathan, but that's all very abstract. What can I do? Do we, we just sit around and get repented? It, right? It's difficult. Okay, this is good news that it's Jesus who works through me. Now, what does that look like? And is there anything I can do or should be doing? How does that work? Well, I'd like to point towards something that Jesus says a lot throughout the Gospels and reflect on that as the way that we can share in this work that Jesus has already done and is working through us. That is, Jesus often says that we are to watch and pray. Watch and pray. We watch what Jesus is doing, what Jesus has already done. We watch how Jesus is already present in the world. We watch how Jesus is present in our lives. Together with Jesus, in him, we hold vigil over this world that is hurting, that is at war, that is in crisis, we watch with our Lord and we pray. We pray in him to his Father. We pray through him and in his name. We watch and we pray in the faith of the God that we know. We know who God is. We know that God is love. We know that God is faithful. And we watch and we pray in the hope that grace waits for us in our future. We watch in powerlessness what is happening in Ukraine right now and in so many other countries at war. And we hold vigil with Christ and we pray in Christ in faith that we have, that God is love and with the hope that there is grace in future for Ukraine, and for us. We watch inflation go up, and the cost of gasoline go up, and the cost of transporting goods go up with it, and the cost of what we need to buy at the grocery store for our family go up with it. We hold vigil. We pray with Jesus in the faith that God loves us and in the hope that there's grace, that there's abundance, in our future that god is our future and this morning this little flock of christ in barton hills gathered here this morning we watch christ come to us and bring the father's love to us and we bring all that we have seen in the world this past week and in our lives with us and then we pray together we pray to the God that we know and have faith is love. And we pray with the hope that God is in our future and that grace is on the way. So there's good news. We do not repent first and then become a part of the life of God. Rather, we're swept up into the life of God in Jesus. We are made living members in corporate In the body of Jesus, and Jesus lives through us, Jesus repents us. And it's not even that Jesus helps us repent, no. It's rather that Jesus manifests himself through us and makes repentance happen in ways that we couldn't even ask for or imagine, in ways that surprises us, and sometimes in ways despite ourselves. And so we watch and we pray. We watch and pray with our Lord and in our Lord. And then we walk in all such good works as God has prepared for us to walk in. We walk together this pilgrim road of Lent, and Jesus lives through us. Thanks be to God.